0: Thank you, dear. All right. Struggling to get the mic going. Good morning, Lifespring. Uh before I get started here this morning, I'd like to invite to the stage, let's have Pete and David Messinger. If you guys could come join us. Could you give them a round of applause as they make their way up here?
1: Good morning. Uh, David and I have been working hard on next-level classes, and if we had a title for what I'm about to say, it would be pick one. Pick one. We've got we've got three classes coming up starting next Sunday, Sunday evenings starting at 6.30. Uh, you're going to be here for choir practice anyway, right? Everybody's signing up for it, so I figured come to choir practice and then come to... Come, come to the next level class. So um, starting at 6.30, they only last about an hour. We have three separate ones. The biggest problem you're going to have is which one am I going to pick, but but pick one. So I'll let David talk about his first. So you are doing it with Dale, so yeah. give us a little summary there. Okay,
2: well, my partner in holiness, Dale Marsh, wave, Dale. There he is. Okay, yeah, we're going to be talking about spiritual reboots and spiritual resets. And if you look at Jesus' life, he went away by himself a lot, didn't he? Well, that was to reset his spiritual awakening with the Father. Elijah did it. David did it. Are you doing it? How do you do it? Well, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about four areas. One is obviously spiritual. The second is your mind, the mind of Christ. Sometimes you've got to reset that mind up there. It's a ping-pong game going on and it all isn't always directed at Jesus. The other one is going to be about relationships. How unforgiveness and broken relationships can stagnate and really quell your your spiritual life. And finally, we're going to talk about the physical aspect of spiritual reboot. It's all part of who God made you. And if you're not doing it on a regular basis, come find out how you can dial yourself in to the particular area maybe right now that God
1: is putting on your heart through the Holy Spirit. And I've seen what they put together. It's awesome. So Dale and David have put together an awesome study on this. Um, The one that Kent Ross and I are doing is called Isaac. And if you're looking for the book of Isaac, good luck, because it's not there. Um, but it, we're going to be looking through uh, chapters in Genesis about Isaac. We're going to talk about the, the promises of God, about having faith, uh, when it's hard to believe in those promises. And it, too, is an amazing study. And the last one, uh, Leo Hayes is not here, but but he is doing one on the sheep and the shepherd. Uh, and it, too, is, if I were sitting where you're sitting, I'd be thinking, which one am I going to pick? But... Just pick one. Uh, it's going to be an awesome time, an awesome time of learning with God, an awesome time of learning with others. Um, but please, I encourage you, it's going to be great. So please sign up. Uh, see me if you have any questions at all, or you can sign up on our website. Thank you.
0: All right. Thank you, Pete. <laughs> I encourage you guys to get signed up for those. Uh, we also have life groups starting. We mentioned that earlier. In our announcements. And uh, one of the reasons we do this is so that we can continue to engage in community outside of a Sunday morning. And so uh, pick one indeed. Just choose one. Just choose one. All right? Well, good morning again. It's so good to be here. If we haven't met, I'm Pastor Jesse and I have the amazing opportunity. Well, thank you, Joe. I appreciate it. I have the amazing opportunity to serve at LifeSpring as one of the pastors. Many of you know Pastor Dan Birch, and he and I serve as co-lead pastors here. And today, he's actually over in the Spokane area ministering at Journey Foursquare Church with uh, his wife, Pastor Mary. Many of you may remember uh, Pastor Wayne and Ferris. We sent them off a few years ago. They felt led or called to plant a church in nine mile falls and so that's where they've been this weekend investing in their leadership team he's preaching there this morning they're leading worship there we prayed for them earlier but i think we have a video here for you let's uh turn our attention to the screen
2: well hey life's brain look who i found Woo-hoo! all right we're at journey church this morning with pastors wayne and cindy ferris i hope you guys are having fun i miss you but I'm also telling you, I am so happy to be here. Can we just celebrate what Come God on. is doing Amen. in Nine Mile Woo! Falls? Amen. All right. They're excited.
0: We need to be excited as well this morning. All right? Man. Look. All right. <laughs> Great job. So, you know, before we get started here, I want to say thank you. Thank you for an amazing summer. You've shown up in so many ways and many of you signed up to serve in so many ways at the events we held here at Life Spring. I had so much fun. I hope that you guys had a bunch of fun too. I've enjoyed our summer series, uh, our series on circles and those in our circles of influence. Back to school Sunday. I mean, how fun was that? Huh? That was an amazing Sunday. And, but before all that, we were in the book of Acts. That's not to say that the book of Acts isn't fun. Uh, We've covered all kinds of adventures so far. In fact, I've been greatly encouraged by all the lessons we've learned over the last few months. And this morning, we're heading back into the book of Acts. We'll be in Acts chapter 20, and we'll start up at verse 13. It's been almost three months, and I know that's like so long ago, which means we all need a recap, right? Right? So Paul, and we'll do that just now. So Paul had been teaching at the church of Ephesus for three years. And this caused quite a stir, which almost led to a riot because of the gospel's influence in that area, which was hurting the idol makers trade. Paul took that as a sign to move on and left Ephesus. From there, he visited the churches in Greece, where he received an offering that had been collected for famine, Relief in Jerusalem on their way to Jerusalem. They stopped in Troas and stayed there a week on their final night. Paul preached to the church until midnight. A young man by the name of Atticus fell asleep during Paul's message and fell to his death out the window from the third floor. Paul stopped preaching went downstairs and resurrected him from the dead. I mean, can you imagine that fall asleep at the service? Falls to his death, he's preaching, and there's a miracle that takes place in the midst of this service. But evidently, this tells me that Paul was capable of preaching for far longer than even I can. Which is something that must be hard to believe, but fortunately, I've never killed anyone with my preaching. Well, not as yet. You know, maybe to sleep, but thankfully we're all wide awake here this morning and no one is sitting on the sill of an open window. We have seats, all right? So, after this incident, which turned into a miraculous event, Paul continued his teaching until dawn. And as dawn came, they continued their journey toward Jerusalem. So chapter 20 tells us about the final leg of Paul's third missionary journey. And from here on, starting at verse 13 of chapter 20, through the end of Luke's narrative, the storyline reads more like a travel journal. And so Luke will remain with Paul from this point forward, and he records what he sees along the trip. We'll get to experience these little travel vignettes, or pictures, or picture stories and essays, which will take us through numerous ports. Let's pray and then we'll read. Father, we thank you for your word, God. We thank you for the sweet presence of your Holy Spirit and worship this morning, God, just reminding us of how much you love us, Father. And by your word, Father, we know that you also love us, God, and so encourage us by it today. In your name we pray, amen and amen. So Acts chapter 20, verse 13, it should be up on the screen for you. Let's read. But we went ahead to the ship and set sail for Asus, intending from there to take Paul on board, for that was what he had arranged, intending himself to go by land. And when he met us at Asus, we took him on board and came to Mytilene. Sailing from there, we arrived the following day opposite Chios, and the next day we crossed over to Samus. And on the following day we came to Miletus, For Paul had decided to sail past Ephesus so that he would not have to lose time in Asia, for he was hurrying if it might be possible for him to be in Jerusalem the day of Pentecost. So Luke doesn't tell us why Paul decided to travel by land, but maybe there were leaders of the church who wanted to continue learning from him. Or maybe he wanted to get in his 10,000 steps in, though he probably would have gotten more than 10,000 steps because, as I believe, he was about 30 miles out from their next port stop. Fun fact, walking was actually faster than going by ship due to the difficult waters in that area. And this would have possibly allowed Paul, as I mentioned earlier, to spend a little bit more time in Troas, while his companions journeyed ahead by ship, which means they left earlier. So in these verses, remember I mentioned these short little picture essays earlier by Luke? Well, Luke quickly covers Paul's journey from Troas to Mytilene, which is near Ephesus. And we learned that Paul determinedly adjusted his goal from attending Passover And Luke tells us why. Paul doesn't want to be slowed down on his way to Jerusalem as he wants to arrive there by Pentecost. Once Paul catches up, they sail down the coast, and he decides he doesn't have time to stop in Ephesus. So they continued to Miletus, verse 17. From Miletus, he sent word to Ephesus and called to himself the elders of the church. So evidently, Paul's ship had a several-day layover in Miletus, or maybe he might have changed his mind and gone on forward. But when the ship docks, Paul sends word to Ephesus about 20 miles up the road that the church elders should come down to the port to meet with him. This way, Paul could deliver a message to the church without making the trip up himself. Essentially, Paul was about to have a pastor's conference. That's a term we'd probably use today. That's what he was about to do. And Paul delivers a message in person that closely mirrors Paul's writing style, so much so that it reads just like a mini Pauline epistle. Now, the remaining verses of this chapter is where I'm going to be spending most of our time this morning, as what Paul was doing was, in essence, he was passing on the baton. You'll see that in the verses that we read. And I knew I wanted to speak along these lines from a few weeks ago after my wife and I, we went out to dinner with some friends and we were talking about what that looks like for them. But also we talked about how we saw that modeled and demonstrated so well at the church we were a part of in Belize. And these conversations got me thinking how each and every one of us sitting here this morning, Those of you listening, those of you who will be listening to this in the future, each and every one of us, in some way, in our own right, as believers, are passing on the baton. So, from the next few verses, we'll look at the things Paul did during his ministry that we can also do and continue to do as you're probably doing these things when it comes to playing our part as members of the body of Christ when it comes to passing on the baton. So our first point this morning is this. We can play our part by genuinely loving God and loving the church. By genuinely loving God and loving the church. Verse 18, let's read. When they came to him, he said to them, You yourselves know from the first day that I set foot in Asia, how I was with you the whole time, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and trials which came upon me through the plots of the Jews, how I did not shrink back, shrink from declaring to you anything that was beneficial and teaching you publicly and from house to house. From these verses we see that Paul deeply loved the church at Ephesus, the people, and their elders. But this flowed from a heart that genuinely and deeply loved God. I say genuinely because at times we can become jaded by the things that take place in church and become mocking and cynical when it comes to the body of Christ. And if we aren't careful in guarding our hearts, we can become critical and bitter when it comes to the church. And loving his people. And in the verse we just read, we see that Paul appeals to their personal experience as he points to his integrity during the whole time he was with them. The characteristics of Paul's ministry was integrity that is he was true to his ideals he was true to the message that had been given given to him he was true to the ministry and honest and fearless in proclaiming it paul emphasized he was a man who operated in sincerity not thinking too highly of himself rather he experienced heartache and trials and persecution And Paul reminds them that in spite of those things, he refused to shrink back or shirk back from his duty to preach and love the Jews and Gentiles in Ephesus. Before Paul was converted, you know this, he was a man of tremendous pride and hostility. But after he saw the light and became a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and I love that we're talking about the Holy Spirit. If you were here this morning in our prayer time, that was the focus of our prayer. We can never get enough of the Holy Spirit. We need to be living by the power of the Holy Spirit. He needs to be instructing our daily move. And so the Holy Spirit filled him with an incredible measure of humility, and love for God and His church, he came to the realization that his life was not about himself. His goal was not to be happy or prosperous. Not that those things aren't bad. Not that those things are bad. But to please God, that's what he realized. To best serve God and love His church, one must have humility. And one might have tears at times. Humility can be described in many ways, but generally, humility means that you must listen to the voice of God and do as God would have you do and not do your own thing. Humility is submitting oneself to the will and sovereignty of God. Humility is serving God's purpose in one's life, even if it costs you your own. Paul makes it clear in verse 24 where he said, I consider my life worth nothing to me. If only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. He was ready to give his life in service to God. Many assume to serve God, but they do so in their own way, according to their own convenience. That is not humility. Humility is to always stand on the grace of God and compel by the love of Christ to serve God and others even with tears. Humility is to look on others with the compassion of Christ. Isn't that what we've experienced from Him? His compassion? his mercy Paul says i am a servant of the lord what he's saying is that i'm controlled by god god controls me god leads me god influences me god directs me and in this simple statement of identity in many ways he cuts to the key of what affects our heart when it comes to selfishness of who is in charge who is the boss Who controls you? I would even say at the core of our sin nature is the question of who is in charge. Self tells us, it is me, it is I. But God is saying, no, I want you to submit to me, serve me, acknowledge me, and allow me to be Lord in your life. Paul understood that. And we need to as well is that is the only way we'll be able to genuinely love God and love the church. Are we good this morning? You guys are very quiet, scaring me. You're good this morning. All right. Yes, I love it. Point two, sharing the gospel and by living a life of repentance and faith. Verse 21 says solemnly testifying to both Jews and Greeks of repentance toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul helped people to acknowledge that God is sovereign. People had lived without God, driven not by the truth, but by their sinful nature. But Paul led them to God. To lead them to God, Paul taught them the life of God. repentance repentance purifies the heart and brings us close to god through faith in jesus christ and we too today must teach this we must teach this i mean look at the core of paul's teaching we just read it and he didn't hesitate to teach it paul was saying that i have declared to both jews and greeks that they must turn to god in repentance and have faith in our lord jesus christ He taught everything helpful to them. And at the heart of that was the single most important message of all. Turn to God in repentance. Turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Praise God that Paul did not hesitate to preach the message of repentance and faith in Jesus to all men. Men need forgiveness of sin more than anything else in this life. They need the mercy of God. They need to mend their broken relationship with God and return home to God their Father. And repentance and faith in Christ are the only things that can bring men and bring us the only place where we can find such things, which is at the foot of the cross. At the cross, we can witness the greatest act of love in history. At the cross, we can repent of our sins and begin a new life in Him. A life of repentance and faith in Jesus. The song says, What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood. Of Jesus. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Church people turning their hearts to God in repentance and having faith in Jesus is the same urgent message for our times, and we must not hesitate to teach it. Amen? Amen. Point three by being faithful and by raising up leaders, by being shepherds. Verse 22 to 31. And now, behold, Bound by the Spirit, I am on my way to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit solemnly testifies to me in every city, saying that chains and afflictions awaits me there. But I do not consider my life, if any account is dear to myself, so that I may finish my course and the ministry which I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify solemnly of the gospel of God's grace, And now behold, I know that all of you among whom I went about preaching the kingdom will no longer see my face. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all people, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole purpose of God. Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock, and from among your own selves, men will arise, speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be on the alert, remembering that the night and day for a period of three years I did not cease to admonish each one with tears. We see here Paul further addressing the elders of the church. He had spent three years of his life pouring out to them and pouring into them. And likewise, Paul commanded them to be shepherds. Paul knew that the shepherd life was not easy, for it involves much self-sacrifice and faithfulness. Nevertheless, Paul commissioned them to To be shepherds of the flock of God, like the good shepherd we know, Jesus. And as a church, we recognize and realize the need for pastors, life group leaders, and others who can lead and protect the church congregation. We need to disciple them, raise them up, equip them, and call them to lead us. We've done that here at LifeSpring and will continue to do so. But this is not just for pastors or life group leaders or next level teachers or those who lead ministries. This is for everyone. Everyone needs to be involved in discipleship. Every member needs to be a minister all the way from children's ministry up to youth ministry all the way up. How do we do that? By learning the whole counsel of God. This is one of the reasons we do life group. It's one of the reasons we do next level classes, a Bible reading plan, and so many other things that we do here at LifeSpring. We need to learn the whole counsel of God that happens in these circles, such as life groups, next level classes, Bible reading plan, on a Sunday morning. It's how we learn the whole counsel of God. We need to also be self-feeders, though, and dive into the Bible for ourselves. Because if you think that coming to a Sunday morning service for 90 minutes will cut it, then I'm here to tell you it won't. It won't. You've got to be self-feeding. We have to faithfully devote ourselves to being shepherds and being shepherded by the Father and others. As a pastor, I need that too. I'm not above this. The only way I'm able to do this thing called pastoring is by allowing myself to be pastored and shepherded by the Father and by others. It's one of the reasons I'm not up here preaching every Sunday or anyone else for that matter. It's one of the reasons we have different people who teach. It's one of the reasons why even when I am not on, I come to church. It's one of the reasons even when I'm not leading a life group or next level class, I come to those classes because it is how I learn the full counsel of God. I learn from others. I am being shepherded by others. we need to do that? I mean, have you heard my wife preach? Have you heard Pastor Laura? Have you heard Pastor Mary? These are amazing people that we get to learn from, and so many others. We have over 13 pastors here at this church. Can you imagine that? 13 pastors. It is. I get to learn from them. And so do you. So do you. The reason I do that is because, you know, being pastored and shepherded by others is how we get to do community and do life with each other. It's how we get to carry each other's burdens. It's how we get to see the Holy Spirit working inside each and every one of us. And if we aren't doing those things in our lives, then it's going to be so easy to fall into believing whatever we want to believe as believers. Because some of the theology that's out there today, I'm like, we can't be reading the same Bible, my friend. Because Paul met many hardships, persecutions, and sufferings, risking his very life. But he never betrayed the mission Jesus gave him. Nor was he deterred from fulfilling it. Paul carried his mission to the end because he loved Jesus and the gospel more than he loved his own life. I love the local church. I love the local church. We must have a deep love for the church and for God gathering with other believers. Paul knew in his heart that in this world, there's nothing worth living for other than serving the gospel. In fact, in his exhortation to the elders, Paul speaks to the future. We just read it and alludes to even more trouble. And he does this because Paul wants them to remember his example in a specific way contending with persecution and enemies of the gospel and to do so with one particular response, preaching the truth boldly without fear and compromise. We're not building a church here around any one personality. We're building it. The Lord is the one who builds His church, but we want to be informed by His Word. That is why we spend time In His Word. Church, people will mock you for the sake of the Gospel. But we must be faithful in preaching the truth boldly, without fear or compromise. Faithful, faithful, faithful. Amen? This brings us to our last point for this morning. How do we remain faithful? By sacrificially serving by sacrificially serving. I say sacrificially because have you had issues in church before? Hmm? Has someone stepped on your toe before? Has someone offended you before? Has someone said something not nice to you? Or maybe you had expectations of someone and they never followed up with you. But that is why we're called to serve Sacrificially. And do it as unto the Lord. Because when we're serving sacrificially, then we're able to forgive each other. I mean, because have you met me? I will fail you. Like, I'll offend you. I will. Because I'm only human. I'm only human. So we must sacrificially serve. Verses 32 to 35. And now I entrust you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I have coveted no one's silver or gold or clothes. You yourselves know that these hands served my own needs and the men who were with me. In everything, I showed you that by working hard in this way, You must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he himself said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. Paul committed them to God for even if they had had the best shepherd in him, only God is able to keep and protect them. Paul was entrusting them to God's care. And sometimes... There's nothing else that a shepherd can do. Paul sacrificed time and time again for the church. And they loved him in return. But he entrusted them into God's care. And as a church body, we're called to serve each other sacrificially. Paul reminds them of his own life. A life free from material pursuits, but rather full of self less service, of much sacrifice for the children of God, especially the weak. He had learned this kind of life from his own good shepherd, Jesus. He demonstrates that through his ministry, even toward us today. But he learned it through Jesus who taught him it is better to give than to receive. So he lived a giving and sacrificial shepherd's life, much like his shepherd had done, rooted in and dedicated to teaching the gospel of God's grace. May we remember, church, that selfish people can, of course, be saved. Jesus died for all people, but selfish people cannot be Christian workers because the gospel compels us teaches us, shows us to serve others sacrificially. Thus Paul summarizes everything Jesus and he himself did and said in, the last, in this last sentence, it is more blessed to give than to receive. As Jesus' people, he urged them to grow in sacrificial love of the Lord Jesus. And my prayer and heart That we would do the same to those around us. My prayer in heart is that we would do the same for our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Let's look at the last few verses Acts 20, verses 36 to 38. When he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And they all began to weep aloud and embrace Paul and repeatedly kiss him grieving especially over the word which he had spoken that they would not see his face again and they were accompanying him to the ship as we see Paul and the elders parted company in tears for they loved Paul and appreciated his precious sacrifices church Saying goodbye is just a part of doing ministry. It really is. LifeSpring has sent off, myself included, and many others to fulfill their part. In many ways, LifeSpring has passed on to Bethan, Pastor Wayne, Pastor Adam, so many others, Pastor Jeremy, to fulfill their part in spreading the gospel in the neighborhoods that the Lord has called them, in a sense, also passing on the baton to those people. Saying goodbyes is a part of ministry. It is. So, Lifespring, let's keep passing the baton. And we can do that again by genuinely loving God and loving the church, sharing the gospel, and by living a life of repentance and faith by being faithful, by raising up leaders and being shepherds, and by sacrificially serving. I encourage you today, get engaged in community. It's messy, but it's worth it. It's worth it. At this time, I want to invite the worship team up front. And As they make their way up here, I want to leave you with this last story. I believe uh, I have some pictures of my grandmother here. And this is my grandmother. And I had an unplanned personal trip to L.A. this past week. I hadn't seen her in five years. She lives in Belize. She used to live in L.A., but she retired in Belize. She's 84 years old now. She's back stateside for health checkups. And while there, I was reminded of the seeds she has sown in years past. Seeds of genuine love for God and the church. Sharing the gospel with my mom and how that has extended to me so many years later. Because of her influence, my mom raised us in a Christian home. My dad as well. They're both pastors back in Belize. So don't be discouraged. I tell you that. Say, don't be discouraged. I also show you that picture of my grandmother because she's still doing that today. And so you're not too young or not too old to be sowing seeds. And sometimes the harvest of those seeds, we mentioned it in our prayer time this morning, a lot of working with the Holy Spirit, it's a long process. So I encourage you, keep sowing the seeds of the faith to those around you, your kids, your grandkids, your brothers, your sisters, that neighbor, that coworker, that parent. Keep sowing those seeds. Because no matter if we've dropped the baton or aren't feeling very fast lately, we have the opportunity today to press into what God is calling us to do. I believe God has something special for LifeSpring as we go into the fall. Let's love God and people with all our hearts. Let's press into community this fall. Some life groups are starting this week. If you haven't signed up, get signed up. Myself and Braden, we're leading a group. group. I don't know what that is. We're not doing that. We're leading a group. On Tuesday mornings at 7 a.m., if you want to get signed up for that, you can do that online. Come talk to me or talk with Brayden. Pete mentioned it a little while ago. We have next level classes starting. Get signed up. Serve each other sacrificially, sacrificial at church. And I'm not saying that you aren't doing that. I see so many of you doing that in the most difficult of seasons in your life. You're doing that. Let's continue to press in to what the Lord has in store for us. Amen? Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for your word, God. I thank you that in Scripture, time and time again, your word compels us, teaches us, and shows us to lead a sacrificial life, God. May we esteem others above ourselves, Father whether that be in the church and even those we come in contact with in the world, God. We're part of this world and we're called to be your hands and feet. We're called to be your witnesses, God. I ask, Lord, may we truly continue to live that out in our lives. Father, and we'll fail at that in times, but I pray that in our shortcomings and in our failure, May we not remain down, God. May we lift our eyes onto You and keep standing up. Keep getting back up, God. And in those gaps, Father, I pray that may Your Holy Spirit does what only it can does, and minister even in our shortcomings, Father. I pray for the seeds that have been sown to generations and generations, God. I pray, Lord, may we not grow weary in doing good, God. May we truly not grow weary, God. May we continue to water. May we continue to speak life. May we continue to reach out. May we continue to influence, Father. In every space you've placed us in, God. We thank you for your word today, God. I'm excited that I get to do this with a group of people who have a deep love for your local church and for you, God. Because it's from that place that all these other things will flow. We thank you. In your name we pray. Amen.